Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. What we do for Christ is not empty, it's not in vain. I'll close with this phrase right here. It's, uh, my pastor would always quote this. I don't know who the author of it is, but it says, Only one life soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. That's it. So you make sure that as you measure out all that you're doing, know that only what you do for Christ is going to last. You make sure that that, that that encompasses a great measure of what you're doing. Because a lot of stuff we're doing, God says, won't even matter. Only what's done for Christ. Make sure you're doing some stuff for Christ. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Abound in the work of the Lord. In today's message from Pastor Bill, he encourages you to do all your work unto the Lord. At the end of your life, only the work you've done for Christ will ultimately matter. That's why it's important to not get caught up in the cares and treasures of this world. Those things will soon pass away and amount to nothing. But Pastor Bill explains that what you do for Christ will not be in vain. That work is fruitful and will multiply. Keep abounding in the good work of the Lord. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Moving on, he says... In a moment, again, in the twinkling of an eye, the last trumpet is going to sound. The trumpet will sound. The dead in Christ will be raised incorruptible. And it says we shall be changed. We're going to be changed. Changed from our, our current form. Now, far as the trumpet of God, those there are people that don't believe in the rapture of the church. Uh, they have a different belief in terms of the time frame. And they look at the trumpet of God and they look at it. They look at the book of Revelation as the angels sounded their trumpets, the last trumpet. Um, and I would distinguish the trump of God from the trumpet of angels. So so I do believe in the rapture. I don't believe that it's the trumpet of the angel at the end of the tribulation. There are people that believe that Christians will go through the tribulation, period. I don't see that in the scriptures. And when, just when I look at the goal of the tribulation period, the purpose of the tribulation period is to punish. It's God's wrath poured out on a Christ-rejected world. That doesn't apply to me. I'm not rejected Christ. I received him. So... You know, any good parent here, if you got five kids, you know, and if I got to deal out punishment, if I got five kids and one kid mess up, do I spank all five? No, I, I spanked the one. Some of y'all was like, I, I kind of do. Y'all need to be shaming yourself, right? I don't punish the innocent with the guilty. You know, if it's if it's a matter of, you know, now the, the Bible says that, you know, we're all going to endure tribulation. So there's tribulation that comes from just the world, the flesh, the devil, the world in which we live. But. The tribulation period is different. It's God's wrath. It's not just general tribulation because you live in a, a world that's wicked and Satan is the prince of power of the air. It's a it's a tribulation because God is pouring out his wrath on those that have rejected him. That don't apply to you and me that have believed in him. I've received Christ. I bow the knee. He is Lord. Uh, I'm his kid. So I, I fall under that other umbrella. I, I get to go be with my dad. That's, that's, what, that's what we're looking forward to. So, so I don't believe that believers go through the tribulation period. And I praise God for that. I believe that we will be caught up to be with the Lord. I'm either going to die and be with the Lord. I'm going to be raptured and be with the Lord. But I'm not going to be down here getting spanked by God for, you know, rejecting him when I receive him. So moving on. So the, the, the trumpet, again, I believe it's speaking of the trump of God that we see in Thessalonians that we see here. Um, moving on, look at verse 53. For this corruption must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. When it says must... Right. This this mortal must put on immortality. I must be changed in order to be with God in that way. I can't go to heaven like this. 
Uh, I must be changed. I must get a new body. This one is not fit for heaven. Every single one of us here struggles with our flesh. You struggle with sin. We battle against our flesh. We got tendencies that are wrong. We're corrupt to the core and we know it. And God said, that's, that's not, you're not going to come to heaven in that body. And I think I'm thankful for that. You know, I, I, I look forward to now. It doesn't mean that we just accept failure in this body. Well, you know, the Bible said I got to get a new body to go to heaven. So, you know, I'm going to just go on and, you know, just this body's imperfect anyway. So, you know, that's what some, I, I, I didn't say that because I know some of y'all. I know how y'all thinking. Y'all like, see, we're just going to wait. That's not it. And God won't let that be it because God, Holy Spirit lives inside every believer and he's working to sanctify us. And so even in this life, right, it should be the case that when you get saved, you're transformed. God takes up residence and God begins to work from the inside out. None of us should be what we were before we got saved, after we got saved. I mean, I'm in the same, I'm the same bill, I'm the same person, but I, I'm not the same guy. I'm not doing the same stuff. And, I, and I'm growing in that continually. That, that, should be the, that should be the mark of, you know, a true believer that we're, we're, we're in the process of transformation. It'll never quite be done, though, right? I'll, I'll never be that, I'll never be holy enough on earth. I'll never be perfected on earth. I may be dramatically transformed, dramatically changed, but I cannot be perfect in my flesh. There's still stuff that's not right. So I still look forward to, and we all should still look forward to a time where God says, you will be changed. New nature, new body, new everything. That's what we have to look forward to. Until then, we will battle. God helps us. And I I just got to say that because I know we struggle with the flesh and in the flesh. But do you guys know that God helps us if we want it? If you want help, God will help you. If there's areas in your flesh you struggle with, if you want God's help, he knows you're weak anyway. Psalm 103 says that he knows our frames and we are just dust. God knows how frail and weak we are. But when we cry out to him for help, he helps us. When I say, God, I'm sick of doing that. I'm sick of living like that. I don't want to be that guy no more. I don't want to live like that no more. Help me. And I'm, I'm submitted and surrendered. God, just tell me what to do. I'll do. I'll submit to you. I'll obey you. Whatever you tell me to do, God will help you. He'll transform you. He'll he'll give you strength that's not your own. The Bible says that when we are weak, he is what? Strong. So it's okay for me to acknowledge, God, I'm weak here. I got a problem with that. I keep blowing it right there. I'm weak. Could you help me? And let him help you. And so, you know, we do strive and we do press on. We don't don't just acquiesce and and say, well, the flesh is, you know, one day I get a new body and then I'll be right. So, you know, I can't be telling my whoever I'm offending with my flesh I can't well, just wait to heaven. You know, I can't tell my wife when they get to heaven, I'll finally be good. You know, I'll be a good husband. It's too late. You know, we, anyway, so moving on. <laughs> it's too late. We got to get better now. So I just want to say that because I, I, I love y'all. And I know some of y'all be like, well, I guess I'm going to just wait for my new body. Don't, don't do that. That's not what I taught this morning. No, don't go home and tell nobody that. So this corruption must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. When? This for verse 54, when this corruption, when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then we then it shall be brought to pass the saying that is written. Death is swallowed up in victory for the believer. Death is our death is actually a, a time of victory in the life of the believer. When we die, that'll be the last time. I mean, I'll never struggle with my flesh again once I die. Uh, I remember when I did my I did my mom's funeral and. You guys know my mom passed away in, in, um, in 2010. Some of you guys know. And um, she died in a hotel room. I, had, I went in her room and, you know, I was look. she had a journal open. So I went to read what she had. And I was just reading. My mom had stuff that she was praying for, asking God to help her with. She would write out her prayers. My mom wrote in shorthand, but I learned how to read it over the years. 
And I'm just reading through these were her prayers. She had some bills that she was dealing with and all this stuff. And I remember sitting there with her book one day saying, it's for her, it's all done now. She was saved. She got saved about a year before she died. And I'm like, all these things that she was asking for, they're done. All these bills, they're irrelevant. They can't charge her now. You know, like, she's done. You know, she's she free of every bill. You can call if you want to, you know. Um, but it's gone. It's, it's a wrap. And I just sat there and looked and I said, man, for her right now, it's done. She's not up here. She's not stressing over these, the stuff she was stressing over here. It's not a stress no more. The stuff she was hoping and worried, it's not, it's not, you know, it's not there. And death is our victory. Now, I don't think that that means for believers that we, we get weird, you know, and, and get suicidal and get a death wish. Well, I just want to die and get my victory now. You know, um, I believe we are to war in the flesh and we're to, we're to fight. But death is our ultimate victory. At death, the flesh is finally put down. We finally will actually be spiritual beings, the more so. Uh, right now, there's a, con- there's a constant battle between the flesh and the spirit. They have war in every single one of us. And I'm telling you, I, I, I'll, I'll have days where I feel like, man, I'm, I am a spiritual man. And I'll have another day right after it where my flesh is just, and I'm like, man, what's wrong with me? I, 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 there are times where, anybody ever been shocked at your flesh? I'm like, there have been times where I'm like, I, I really thought I was better than that. You know, I, I really thought I was better than that. I, I can't believe I thought that thought. I was prepared to do this thing or whatever. I thought I was beyond that. I, and I just get reminded that, no, you're not. You are very much a work in progress. Don't you forget about it. You better stay close to Jesus because in you, you'll ruin everything. You know, so we need, and we need to be aware of that. It's a, it's a daily thing. It's never going, you know. There, there's stuff that you, I, I haven't, I haven't, alcohol was a thing for me back in the day. I haven't had a drink since 1995. And I wish I could stand here and say, and I don't even think about it. Never. You know, I'm just, whew, you know, I'm just beyond that. It's over, you know. But I'm telling you, I'll be, I've been walking with the Lord for a while. There have been moments where I'm like, man, you know what I'm saying? I don't remember that. <laughs> I wonder, I could, just, you know, there have been, there have been moments where I would be lying. I, I, there would be moments where I, I've considered it. By God's grace, I haven't, but I thought about it. Uh, it you know, I, and, and I look at that and I think, man, that's what's wrong with you? You know, you been saying this long. You, you know, I, I know that that would ruin for me. That would ruin everything. You know, and um, I realized that my wife, having never been a drinker, that's not even a thought for her. I used to smoke. I'll go long periods of time without even considering it. And every once in a while, sometimes I smell people smoking cigarettes and it stinks. And once in a while, I smell a Newport, and it's like, I remember that. My flesh is like, you remember that? I remember that. It happens. So, so I know I'm still, I'm not done yet. This is, as much as you're moving forward and you're walking, it's not done. It's not going to be done. You need to battle and fight. Can we have victory, though? Yes, we can. God gives us the victory. I don't claim any victory in my flesh. My flesh is a mess. But I, in Christ, I can have victory by his spirit. I can put to death the deeds of the body. And that's how you that's how we all can yielding to him, letting him have his way. Nobody's going to nobody here has enough willpower to win. You don't. So if you've been trying to do it in your willpower, I know you're failing. So I'm free you up today. Stop trying. And you, it's a difference between trying in the flesh. God, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to it, it sounds that's what it sounds like when you're trying in the flesh. It's all about what you're going to do. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to cut that off. And I'm going to do, do all these things to make sure I make it. You're not going to make it. You're going to do that and you're going to fail and you're going to feel even more miserable because you try real hard and you still fail. This is how God works it. You stop trying. Just yield to him. I'm just going to yield to your spirit. I, can't, I don't know how to walk home. So I'm going to yield to you in every area. Right. I might be trying to get a victory over alcohol 
And I'm, a, I'm trying to put up all these safeguards for alcohol. God is saying what you really need to do is be in your word. And when the spirit was telling you to be in prayer and be in the word, but you wouldn't do that, you end up failing over here. This is not in my notes, but I believe it's for somebody here today. When Peter was going to have an encounter with Satan and be tempted to, 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 to not, you know, to not honor God, he was going to be tempted to deny the Lord. Jesus came to him the day before and said, Peter, you need to pray. Spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak, right? He didn't come and say, Peter, you need to make sure you don't deny me. You need to focus on, you know, being bold and courageous when people challenge you about what you believe. He said, you need to be praying, Peter. That's how you build up your spirit. But he didn't pray. He fell asleep. And when the temptation came, he fell. Some of us are failing because we're so focused on trying to overcome the particular thing. I'm trying to overcome whatever this is for you in this box over here. And God is saying what you need to do is all the other things that I've challenged and encouraged you and spoken to you do is be in prayer. Be in the word. Spend some time, whatever that is. God said, because you're avoiding this, you're failing over there. You got to listen to God everywhere. Yielding to God, yielding to the spirit, it's all encompassing. I don't get to judge what the spirit says to me from day to day. Every day there are things I know I need to do. I know that the spirit is always calling me to times of prayer and always calling me to be in my word. And I need it. I get refreshed, challenged, restored, encouraged. Everything comes to me there. And there are other times where God is just, man, let that go. I want you to be quiet. There are times where God have just told me, I just don't say nothing. And I've never been sorry for saying nothing. Never. I never have. There was a couple instances that I was working out over the last two weeks. Folks had said some things. I felt like I should go back and correct it and say this, but I gave time to prayer first. And I look at what God did as opposed to what I would have done. And I'm embarrassed at my, my knee jerk response is never that holy. Even when, even when it seems holy, I can find a verse to support what I'm about to do. And God's like, just don't do nothing yet. Just wait. Sit with me for a minute. I just encourage all of us that we would be yielded to the spirit. And let, let the Lord govern these, these, these bodies of flesh that we're living in. Amen? But when we die, right? When we get to heaven, that's why we're going to celebrate when we get to heaven, y'all. We're going to finally be, I mean, I'm, I'm going to look at, we're going to look at each other for the first time and we'll finally be holy. Finally. Um, but until then, <laughs> it's a scrap. So moving on. He said, the, verse 55, O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so the victory for the believer, again, the sting of death has been taken away. Death is now our victory. Death is now how we transition over. It, it doesn't have victory over us. It doesn't end at death for the, for the Christian, for the believer. Now, it's very different for the non-believer. For the non-believer, what is death for them? Death is how they enter into the worst period ever. For someone that doesn't know Christ, the time spent on earth, it's the best it'll ever be. And it's not even that good. But just consider that. For somebody that don't know Christ, the time and space on earth, this is the best it can or will ever be for them. This is it. This is it. This is it right now. And so I hate to hear pastors and ministers telling people that, you know, have your best time right now. No, our best time is coming. Read your Bible. You can't have your best life right now if you have eternal life. You can only have your best life right now if you're going to hell afterward. You know that? I just want to point that out to us. You, you can't. It, it, it won't be that right now. There are promises to the believer that are not precious promises. Do I have a relationship with the Lord? Yes. Does God cover me? Yes. He supply all my needs according to the riches of glory? Yes. But then there's a flip side of the promises, right? If, if we love him and walk with him, is it going to be easy? No. 
2 Timothy 3.12, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus shall or will suffer persecution. It's going to be rough walking with me in this world. To the, God, to, the, to the disciples in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, look, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. People are going to hate you if you represent me in this world. Some of y'all want to be loved so much by everybody that you won't say or do the things that God's called you to say and do. We live in a world where God says, that's just what it's going to be like. If they hated me, they're going to hate you. I'm not comfortable with people that hate Jesus, but they okay with me. If you hated my wife, we wouldn't be cool. We couldn't be cool. You, you hate that's my rib. That's my, you can't hate her and then we be friends. Sorry. You know, that's, that's half of me. Can I hate your kids and we be tight? No. That's a part of you. It's offensive, the thought of it. You know, you can love your kids. And that, that's, it's, it's, not, it's not feasible, right? We got to understand that's how it's going to be. It's going to be it's going to be like that in the world. Be OK with it. Just don't be at odds with God. If I got to be at odds with somebody, I don't want to be the Lord. And I'm not looking to have opposition. I'm not looking for beef. I'm not looking. I'm not the guy out there looking to argue with folk and stir stuff up. But when it comes down to it, I believe the Bible. Jesus is Lord. He's the only way. There is no other way. I will not regress. I will not bow down. I will not submit to. No, that's what it is. And if that's the if that's the, 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 the means, if that's why we end up having a beef or disagreement, I'm cool with that. I'll live with it. As long as I line up, as long as I'm on this list, as long as when I'm done, I'm on team Jesus. Amen? It's where we need to be. Last verse, and here goes a summary of everything. This is actually the theme verse for the men's advance this year. So, fellas, listen up real good. We're gonna, we'll go a little more in detail in this, but he says this. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And this is the conclusion. Paul said, look, because the resurrection is true, because this life is not it, because we're going to be resurrected, because we're going to be raptured to be with the Lord, because we're going to get a new body, because death is swallowed up and the sting of death is taken away and the victory of the resurrection, because of all those things, he said, look, my because it's the therefore points back to everything else he just said. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast. What does that mean? That means to be firm. Stand your ground. Believe what you believe. Don't be waffling back and forth. If you, you can't afford to be out here in this world unconvinced about your relationship with Christ and who Jesus is. You need to be steadfast. Immovable. This is almost the same thing. You can't be in a place where you're waffling back. I hate to hear somebody that's always sound like they're not quite 100% sure about what they believe. You need to get sure. You didn't, you didn't make an issue of that. It's not, it's, you can't live in that place. How could you ever live for God 100% when you're waffling or unsure of all these things? I need to be for sure. I know Jesus died. I know he's coming back. I know how to be saved. That Steadfast, immovable. For, for them here was considering the doctrine of the, re, of the resurrection. Steadfast, immovable, right? You can't be waffling back and forth. That's why he's having the whole conversation because you guys used to believe in the resurrection. Some people came and taught something different. Now y'all believe in something different. You can't do that stuff steadfast. I'm not changing my mind. I got this from God. Immovable. I won't change positions. I got this from God. That's where you come from. I got it from God. Therefore, I'm, I'm not immovable because I'm arrogant. I'm not immovable because I know it all. I'm immovable and steadfast in my belief in doctrine because I got it from God. Are you getting it from God? We got to get it from God, you guys. So many voices today. So many people speaking. So many people interpreting things different ways and everything else. You need to spend time with God by yourself and get it from God. Um, I've never met someone with false doctrine that didn't get it from man ever, ever. Ne I never met a I never met a single person that through prayer and Bible reading came up with a false doctrine ever. Not even little kids. 
I send my kids to the room, read your Bible and pray and come back and let's talk about it. Tell me, they might misunderstand some little pieces, but they don't come back with false doctrine. They don't come back misunderstanding key things. Interesting. because They're just kids. Just been, I've been doing that to all my kids. That's been the rotation everybody's been on. I got my nephew for the summer. He's nine years old. He, he, he barely can understand some of the English words he's reading, but he generally gets the synopsis, gets the general picture. False doctrine comes through people that teach it. So you've got to be careful who you read, who you're listening to, and all these things. That's why as a pastor, I'll be pressing y'all Bible reading every day. Get that discipline down or change your life. Read your Bible every day by yourself with God. Get that down packed. We're the, we're, Christians are maybe the only religious group of belief that haven't read our whole book. Everybody else have read their whole book. Mormons have read their whole book. Time's over. Joe's Witnesses read their whole books and write new ones. <laughs> the Colts, they read their whole books. The, everybody else have read their whole book but us. We're like, well, I, it just, you know, I'm just, I'm in 20 years saved, but I'm going to get there. I read Matthew, though. We all read it real soon. Read your whole book, y'all. That's why we, we're going to finish this year. We're going to do it again next year. Read the book. Study too, but read your book. We need to know this book. And once again, I've never met a person ever, never, never, not yet that ended up with a false doctrine, reading the Bible, spending time with the Holy Spirit in the Bible. That matter. False doctrines are usually taught by men that have false intentions and bad hearts. You got some guys that tell a lie, I was sitting under a tree and I got this weird thing over here, yeah, 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 yeah. But it, it, it don't line up with the Bible. I got to know the Bible before I can shield off what he said. So when you know it for yourself, it's an amazing thing. It's, it's, it's hard. Somebody can't tell you something different. My daughter Harmony was in seven, sixth or seventh grade. And they had got a new Bible teacher at the school who probably shouldn't have been a Bible teacher, but he was. And he said some stuff that was off. And my, she raised her hand. She was like, because that's not what she had understood. And she was able to go to the verses and say, but you said that, but it says this here. And he argued with her. And then another boy said, well, wait a minute, because that's, that's what I, I believe that too. And he had another verse. And the teacher got a little upset and, you know, yelled at the kids and stuff like that. My daughter went out at break and called me. And she said, Dad, he got all upset and he yelled and he said this. And I was giving him that verse. I said, you need to go and you need to go in and take it to the principal who's, a, who's overseeing Bible. Tell him what he said. Tell him what you showed and let him square it away. Principal called everybody together, sat down and was like, what he said was false. He was removed that week. Somebody else came in. And I told my daughter, you always be respectful to authority. But if they disagree on that, don't you ever fudge. You ain't never got to be that respectful. There's no adult that's that big, that important. There's no authority that great. God's the authority over me. If I say this and the Bible says that, I don't submit to me. Submit to him. And I want that instilled not just in my kids. This is our church. I, I want y'all to have that. But you got to be in the book to get that. Steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Always abounding. Why, why are we abounding in the work of the Lord? Because we're going to be resurrected one day. Why are we abounding in the work of God? Because the time is running out. I don't know how long I got to store treasure in heaven and to sow it up ahead of me. And so I need to be abounding in the work of the Lord now. This is my opportunity right now. Every one of us be abounding in the work of the Lord. I hope everybody here got your hands in something for God. As we make this move, there are going to be lots to do. And so if you haven't been, let this be a season where you get your hands. Put your hands to the work. Prayer is a work. Personal Bible study is a work, but there are opportunities to serve and be a part of what God is doing. Make sure that you're abounding. And uh, I just want to point, abounding is not just a little bit. Abounding is always abounding in the work of the Lord. And it says this, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. What we do for Christ is not empty. It's not in vain. I'll close with this phrase right here. It's uh, 
my pastor would always quote this. I don't know who the author of it is, but it says, only one life soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. That's it. So you make sure that as you measure out all that you're doing, know that only what you do for Christ is going to last. You make sure that that, that that encompasses a great measure of what you're doing. Because a lot of stuff we're doing, God says, won't even matter. Only what's done for Christ. Make sure you're doing some stuff for Christ. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Thanks for joining us here on The Transforming Word. Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of 1 Corinthians. This letter was written by Paul to the Corinthians sometime after he lived in Corinth. He had an intimate knowledge of the church there, and so he felt compelled to write a direct letter to address the things that were happening among the believers there. The things he wrote about showed that there were problems in the church then, just like there are issues in churches today. Even among believers, there are real sin issues that can derail an entire church if those areas aren't dealt with. Are there areas in your life today that you know need to be addressed? If you need someone to talk to or to pray with, we're here and are ready to answer your call or text. Our number is 310-245-4811. That number again is 310-245-4811. We're so glad you tuned in to A Transforming Word. We'd love to meet you. If you're in the Inglewood area, come join us this weekend for church. We meet at Calvary Inglewood every Sunday. And you can get more information on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. There, you'll also be able to learn more about this ministry and listen to additional teachings from Pastor Bill. Again, that website is calvaryinglewood.org. That's all we have time for today. Join us next time as Pastor Bill continues to teach through 1 Corinthians. We look forward to another edition of A Transforming Word.